Does your organisation celebrate Indigenous culture? Well, it's the question that I started to explore after my last guest on the podcast, Shirley Chowdhury. Recommend I speak with Jason Timor from an organisation called Two Point Co., a 100% Indigenous-owned consultancy. They tap into something hugely significant to provide a real path to reconciliation. They specialise in uncovering shared value opportunities for Indigenous communities, corporate organisations and government agencies. As they say, we have an opportunity and an obligation to learn from the past to reconcile for a better future. Well, it's a fascinating conversation I had with Jason, and it made me realise how important some of these issues are. I'm James Lush, and this is Episode 10 of Purpose and Vision. You're listening to Purpose and Vision, the podcast that digs deep into why and how companies are making a greater impact in our world by focusing on profit and purpose. This is the podcast that tells the stories and inspires us all to think differently about business today. Reconciliation Australia is the peak body of reconciliation in this country, and they did a survey in 2018 with organisations, over a 1,000 organisations who have a reconciliation action plan, and they found that only about three out of 10 people have ever had an interaction with an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander, and the same number of people, three out of 10 Australians, understand the true history of exclusion. And when you think about people who are doing an acknowledgement of country for the first time, you'd say, well, that's actually a really great sign of respect. And some other people would say, well, that's just tokenistic Mm. and performative diversity. But you also have to be really mindful of where people are on their, in terms of their level of education. It might be that somebody has, has really understood their history, never got taught that in primary school, for instance, only found out through a cultural awareness session around the real history of the country and said, well, I want to start practicing my respect by acknowledging country when I open up a event or a meeting. And from that perspective, that is, that's very respectful and that's somebody actually having a go in terms of, <clears throat> you know, engaging in a really meaningful way. But others might go, well, I've seen this all before. It's very tokenistic. So sometimes it's unfair to try and put a, you know, is that too tokenistic or not or, or what have you. It depends on the person's journey. But also equally, that is the beginning of what organisations can do on the surface level. You know, things like educating their staff around the real cultural awareness and knowledge is another great foundation to start Indigenous engagement. And then what is your organisation doing? It doesn't matter if you're rural, regional or urban. What is your commitment to economic participation opportunities for for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, so employment or working with Indigenous businesses, for instance? Because you have the buying power and you have the opportunity and capacity to provide opportunities. So... Okay. Uh, what does that look like? So let me ask you what will happen or what does happen when your organisation 2.co gets involved with, with a business. And your website talks about designing strategies that will enable your organisation to celebrate Indigenous culture and make a con- genuine contribution to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. When you talk about that, make a genuine contribution, what are you talking about? What are you looking for and what do you want businesses to do? to really think about what is their uniqueness around the reconciliation movement, for instance. And what I mean by that is we, we, you know, people come to us and say, well, really, really love to design and implement a reconciliation action plan. Where do we start? What do we do? What's your advice? And the advice is always the same is before you go off and 
guns blazing into the sunset with this strategy. I want you to think really clearly and concisely about what you think your why is as an organization. What is the uniqueness about your organization to contribute in this space? If you get that why right, if you understand where you are best placed to make that contribution, the what and everything else should follow quite easily. Yeah. A lot of times organizations think, I mean, the problem's too big. Yeah. Uh, we should be doing A, B, X, Y, and Z. And you end up having 52 commitments that don't get, none of it gets delivered because you're constricted by the enormity of it because you didn't figure out what is our unique contribution to the reconciliation movement. So what's an example of that? Well, we work with a really fantastic uh, global law firm, Herbert Smith Freehills, and I'm sure they won't mind me calling them out. They're quite clear on their vision for reconciliation, and that's to increase Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander representation in the, in the law profession and make concerted efforts to decrease, decrease the Indigenous representation in the criminal justice system. So that is a clear vision around what it is that Herbert Smith Freehills are looking to contribute in this reconciliation movement. If you stray too far away from your core business, for instance, it starts to become a lot more tokenistic, okay. becomes very much removed from you as, a, as an organisation. So every so, how do you work with an organisation to find out what it is that they're sort of pinpointing on? Uh, do, do, they, do they sometimes have an inkling of an idea or sometimes nothing? Yeah. Well, I've got to be careful, James. I don't want to give away too many of the secrets <laughs> and, and how we do that. But, but suffice to say that we get people to forget about strategy language and what you see on paper and yeah. think about how do you connect your heart and mind as an executive or as a leadership or leader or an influencer in your organisation? How do you feel most comfortable explaining commitment to Indigenous engagement or reconciliation and use that as a basis? based on your role in the organisation, what you think this organisation is about. Okay. So so it's really getting down to everyday language. What, what language uh, uh, w resonates with another person to another person? So whether you're at a work function or for a customer was was going to ask you that question, what, what's your response? So yeah. w w once you've established that, then then you create something that they can focus on and they can see this long-term connection with so that it becomes much more than, oh, well, we threw a few dollars or we, we sort of peaked our cap and that, that, that's it. We, we're doing something which is going to move the dial. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. And everything should, your vision should be the filter of anything you want to invest in. Yeah. So we want to go and donate $25 to this Indigenous organisation. Well, why do you want to do that? Oh, we think it's, we like it. Well, does it align with what you said your why and your vision was about? Well, it doesn't really, well, you know, that, that there needs to be some sort of thread as to why, why that yeah. is happening. And I'm sure organisations will gladly take the money, but yeah. have you actually made an impact in any sense of, of what you set your vision out to be? Right. The, the sweet spot, James, for any organisation is to realise the value of Indigenous engagement whilst adding value to you as an organisation. And that when, when you do those things at the same time, that's where the, the real catalyst for change and impact can happen. It sounds, it sounds so obvious, doesn't it? You know, focus on something which matters and then get everyone on board to realise why it's going to make a difference and then we can share the stories of success. 
let's talk about yeah. what 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 happens once an organization starts to be very focused on this as, as an intent it, they, they want to commit to it they believe that it's important what happens then well a lot of things happen firstly if you're, if you're looking at a very macro level the, the the brand becomes a bit more heightened and sensitive to what is happening in certain communities that they represent or operate on yep and you start to have this idea of a you know in its in its purest form, it's a competitive advantage. So if I have two products or services in front of me the same, what's going to be the deal breaker for me to go with one organization or the other if I'm a consumer? Well, I'm going to go with consumer A because they've demonstrated a strong commitment to, you know, the indigenous community, for instance, because that's important to me as a consumer. Yeah. So you start to see this type of, uh, you know, the, the, this real advantage in terms of what your brand is starting to say now. What else? The the other thing it does is you start to see a real lift in people's awareness and understanding of this whole thing I'm talking about before around cultural awareness, but also the history of the, the real history of the so-called lucky country that, you know, even if you left that organisation and you went through a cultural awareness training, that knowledge is going to stay with you. And people say, as a non-Indigenous person, they say to me, what's the best thing I can do to, 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 to partner in, and to walk alongside you as First Nations people? And I said, the best thing you can do is break the myths and stereotypes. Be brave enough when you're hearing someone having a yarn at the water cooler and they're saying something about Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islands or communities that isn't right, be the, be the person who says, no, that's not right. I'm just going to mm. smash that myth and stereotype right here because mm-hmm. so, so and that's on a personal level what what things like really a great demonstration of indigenous engagement looks like that's it I've given you the full spectrum there there's all the way at the top of the brand yeah and then all the way down to the individual as well yeah and and, and it's all very well having leaders that that think this is great what about the buy-in from from the, the organization as a whole yeah, well, that, that, that again, <clears throat> really depends on the, the strength of the messaging that's coming down from, okay. from the top. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on also what, what's the right message for the right people at the right time. So, and what I mean by that, if I am a line manager in an organisation, what do I need to understand and be sensitive to if we're out now our commitment is to increase our representation of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders? I need to take some responsibility to um, learn more if I'm going to be engaging more with Indigenous employees, for instance. Yeah. So so the responsibility for that organisation is also to, uh, as I say, write training for the right people at the right time, whether you're, mm. you're working in procurement or you're working with Indigenous businesses or Indigenous employees or, or, or what have you as well. So there's a... There's a you know, there there is a responsibility for everybody in that all in the organisation. I was going to ask you, Jason, something which obviously is significant in the way that we learn. Once we see, touch, taste, we're normally much more across what something means. If we're forever living within the city, and most of us live within the city, we're never really getting out on the country to see what it is like for you know this I- incredible culture that has existed for centuries thousands of years so how do you think it's best for 
individuals within organisations to actually understand more about that way of life? Yeah, it's interesting, James, and I, and I get your perspective where, where you're coming from. The, the fact of the matter is you don't need to go to remote or rural or regional Australia to get a sense of what the experience is like for a First Nations person. Yeah. I, I, I'm reminded, I'm reminded, sorry, James, I'm reminded of a fantastic organisation called Tribal Warrior in, in Redfern, uh, headed up by Shane Phillips, who in, in the last decade or so has seen an amazing drop in um, in crime down from eight to 80 percent due to their e-plate program where um, a clean slate without prejudice program where really taking the indigenous youth for instance mm. um, and engaging that <clears throat> part of of that community in a different way and really looking at empowering and uplifting the, the, the Indigenous youth in, in that particular area. In, in, in looking through, you know, the amount of work that you're doing, I was fascinated by some of the, the, the big organisations that you're working with. And, and let's just use one which is known worldwide, which is Google. Um, yeah. it, this is obviously presumably Google in Australia, but, but what, was the, what was the recognition there? What did they come to you for and, and, and how did you work with them? Um, Google... Uh, again, we're really lucky to have them as a partner, very forward-thinking, open to different ways of looking at a problem. And, and I guess in the way that's what Google's core business is, is to, yeah. <laughs> you know, look at problems in a different way as well. But ultimately the challenge was to increase the representation of Indigenous people through traditionally tech roles, which is always going to be tough. Um, ultimately, our role was to look at um, designing a strategy, an Indigenous employment strategy for Google that took into account the complexity of, of you know, <clears throat> education to employment pathways for any First Nations person wanting to get into a tech role. So all of that sounds great. <clears throat> they had a target, uh, but also what we are working on um, and have worked on is getting... Um, organizations like Google to understand what the data is saying as well around the indigenous candidate and, and uh, market, for instance. So Google's one of the first organizations that we work with to, to look at things differently and say, well, we can't have an indigenous employment strategy solution one size fits all, for instance. What does it look like for a graduate or someone leaving from school or someone returning back into work? So we're doing a lot of work with them to really break up different characters or personas within uh, within the Indigenous candidate market to, to give Google a real sense of what that's pos what's possible and what's not possible. Because the problem is, James, with all of the organisations, there's over a 1,000 organisations who have all proclaimed to increase representation of Indigenous people, at least 3%. I'm not a mathematician, but I do know that... that if you have a thousand organisations plus all looking for three percent of representation of Indigenous people in their organisation, the numbers just don't add up. Yeah. So our role, particularly with someone like Google and, and other tech companies that we've worked with, is to you need to think differently and frame your your aspirations a little bit differently based on what's possible. So how have you seen progress being made? You, you've obviously stirred the pot. You've got them motivated, inspired. What, what noticeable change have you, have you seen happen as a result of that work? 
culture should be at the centre of any strategy or program designed for Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people. And how does that then translate into something practical? Well, then we, we agreed that part of that strategy would be for six weeks of the year, if you're an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander employee, that you are afforded a six-week secondment back to your community to share what you've learned in that organisation. But also from a cultural perspective, these employees are filling their cup, if you like, in terms of grounding themselves mm-hmm. back with their elders and their communities and their mob, what we like to call mob, for instance. So you're coming back to work after that six months. You know, you're rejuvenated. You've also had a bit of skills transfer within the communities you come from. Um, but that company has also recognised that as part of your your cultural needs and what's important to you, we, you know, as part of our policy that we're affording that that six weeks of, of the year as a, as a reverse comment back to your community because we know that, that that's valuable to you and it's valuable to us as an organisation wow. to have you engaged. Wow. So that, that, you know, that requires a little bit of a leap from organisations. Sure. Um, but that's an example of how you put culture at the centre of anything strategy or program for Indigenous people. And, and it's much more than just a, a little insertion. This is something significant. And if you don't do it with that significance, do you think it doesn't take hold, it doesn't really make an impact? No. Okay. Otherwise, you can you can be accused of, again, you, you, know, you mentioned, yeah, tokenism. Yeah, yeah. What, what is real? What's valuable? Yeah. Um, what's valuable for both parties, as I mentioned before, when you can get that right, and that, that small example is when you can get it right, that that there is, um, you know, reciprocity for everybody. Do, do you think there are a, a growing number of customers, shareholders, um potential recruits who are looking for organisations to take a lead on this now and also go public with this? Yeah, I think especially you'll find that most organisations are starting out in this sort of focus of Indigenous engagement. Some other organisations like Qantas or Lendlease or Westpac, KPMG, for instance, they've been around it for a long time and um, 10 years plus around strategy for Indigenous engagement through reconciliation. But <clears throat> there are also a lot of industry groups that are getting together and learning from each other. Um, I'm reminded of, in particular in the media industry, um, there is a, uh, uh, you know, an industry group in there and also in construction, for instance. So the willingness to share intelligence around this space, what's worked, what hasn't worked, case studies is becoming more and more prevalent um, depending on what sector that you're working in as well. And how reminded of Pete. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask you how you find an organisation communicating that. Um, what's a respectful way of doing that, rather than making it look, hey, look, look, aren't we good for doing this? <laughs> do you understand what I'm what I'm trying to ask here? Is how how do you see it as something which is deeply felt, rather than well, this will get us some PR points? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're asking. <laughs> I think mostly with everything, the better, the more someone else can talk about you, the better that message is received and particularly organisations who have had community talk about them, for instance, or, um, you know, an Indigenous employee writing something on LinkedIn, basically signalling that that this X organisation is a really culturally safe place to work and thank you for all the support that you're, you know, you've given. So... 
Yeah, it's a bit difficult banging the drum when you're the organisation when something great happens. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and, and yet it's important because it's like with this podcast, the more people that talk about it, the more that will become conscious and, and want to try and combine that idea of profit and purpose rather than necessarily one or the other. But you want to do it in a way which is subtle and, and, and not almost like a sales pitch. Yeah, that's right, um, and heartfelt, totally, and, um, and and that the message is around the impact that someone else should be telling that story. I agree. When I, it when it comes to this space, or yeah, and and just on that subject of sensitivity, I'm interested in your take on this, Jason, because there are a lot of people who are just a little cautious. It's a bit like talking, you know, uh, about other diversity issues in the workplace. There are a lot of people who are very cautious about saying the wrong thing. And therefore, mm. they would rather not say anything. Yeah, yeah. And 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 there's a bit of a again. I'm using the phrase taking a leap, and that leap is about vulnerability and being comfortable with your vulnerability. So that's a great thing to say, Jason. But what does that actually mean? Mm. It it actually means when you are sitting with an Aboriginal child shadow on the person for whatever reason, being open, vulnerable enough to say, look. I'm learning, I'm still learning about the true nature of the history of this country and the impact that has made on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. So forgive me if I say things out of step, I'm learning and I'm really leaning on you to guide me through that as well. So <clears throat> it's okay. It's okay to say that you don't know much and I'm still learning and, and I think that's being very respectful of, of a different perspective as well. Um, like so that's what I would, yeah, I like, what advice that I would give. I like the way you do that. That's a that's a beautiful way of doing it, and it's always met with a warm, open heart, isn't it? But I I, I think inevitably when when issues like this are out there, we, we are we do put ourselves into a vulnerable vulnerable position. We we don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to offend. And you know, I'm I'm super conscious of it. I've been in Australia 17 years, but you know, from from England and and understanding this phenomenally historical culture it's such a big shift it's such a big thing to to try and grapple with and to do it respectfully yeah that's right i said before you know i may have said before whatever you think around um how you are comfortable with dealing or engaging with people flip that 360 degrees on its head and if you think you want to go left go right when it comes to you know mob or aboriginal Torres Strait islanders and communities and you know, for instance, you might be working in an organisation and need to talk to a land council or whoever it might be around a, a certain thing that you need to get done <clears throat> and go into that meeting and start explaining the problem and how you're going to help. <clears throat> That's the intuitive thing to do. Actually, what is counterintuitive is to not talk about what you're there for and just talk about what's your story. Okay. What's your place in the world? What's your heritage? Where do you come from? How, who's James? Yeah. Tell us about you before we get into all this other stuff mm -hmm. that you're, that, that's running on your agenda. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that requires a little bit of a shift in how you operate. It might require a shift in your timelines for your project. Yeah. But ultimately the goal is to build long-lasting relationships. So the next time that you come along, to, 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 you know, to get together, it's a lot easier. But also coming to the table again with this idea of reciprocity, 
yes, you're coming for your agenda, but what can you hear us? Well, what we're saying back to you might not be fit into what you're looking at in your agenda, but it's important for you to know and hear as well. And, and can that form a basis of a partnership with us as well? I love, I love your 360 degree spin and the, the, I like the way you say it, just a, a little shift of mindset. I think it's a major shift of mindset for a lot of people because so often uh, the, the, the culture is one of, well, we've come with our agenda, we've only got sort of two hours, so we get straight down to business. And what you mm. were saying, it's so different. The, the time factor, the respect, the listening, the listening, the listening. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, another really great example, and similar to what I just said, is to, to start practicing that is, if you are, you know, in a big meeting, and there could be people that you worked with for ages, and you know, it's sort of saying, well, before I want to do acknowledgement of country and all of that stuff, <clears throat> important acknowledgement. But just want to go around the table and, uh, you know, t- tell us about your heritage, and then tell us what you do in the organisation. Second, we're trying to mirror exactly what would happen with mob or Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders if they're in a room. If I go up to somebody else and they're an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, I'm not going to say, hey, who do you work for and what do you do? I'm probably going to say to them, who's your mob? Where are you from? Mm. And they might say, I'm Barkindji or I'm, you know, you know, I'm Darug mob or whoever. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Well, all my mob are from Thursday Island and Badu Island. Oh, yeah, deadly. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I work for this mob here and I look after all their compliance stuff. So it's even just shifting the way that you introduce yourself to people. It, it, what I love the, about these conversations is the, the way that it, it grounds people. You know, I, I find, in, you know, we've just been talking half an hour or so, Jason, but in that time it, the, there's a grounding that comes from this. And I'm sure it's almost a missing piece for a lot of organisations that are forever flitting and fleeing all over the place. They can't quite grasp where they are going. This, this to me, gives people a grounding. Yeah, I mean, it can, you can never underestimate uh, the openness of any of whether you're indigenous or non-indigenous, I think everybody wants to connect, but they also want to be respected on the way they'd like to connect as well or engage. Yes. And yes. That, that that you say the small small shift actually is a big shift. It is actually a big shift, but it's actually like fine tuning the way that you operate that has a huge impact on, on on you know rebuilding the way that we can we can relate to each other. Uh, just got to be willing enough to, to try something different. So just uh, a final word, people listening to this from, you know, a small company, a big company, what, what would the first steps be for them to to take some some leaps into bringing our conversation today into the workplace? Yeah, look, I think the vulnerability, the idea of vulnerability and being honest, really, especially at the leadership level around... Uh, I'll get people to reflect on what your experience has been so far with working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. What did you like about it? What you wish you could do better? What if? But also, how would you audit yourself in terms of your understanding of the real history of this country and the impact it's had on First Nations people today? So getting that honesty and that sensitive sensibility within the leadership group to then get them to start charting a, a strong vision that they can then share with the rest of the organisation. And then everything else will fall off that. Yeah. And, and really fundamentally, there's only a, a real 
there's only about three things that organisations should be really focused on. That's educating their workforce around cultural awareness and the real history. It's about your focus around Indigenous employment and working with Indigenous businesses. And then thirdly, it's about what do your customers expect from you and your community and your stakeholders expect from you as an organisation nice. when it comes to Indigenous engagement. Nice. And that's, that, those three things are the what, but that needs to have your perspective as an organisation laid on that, Got what you. makes you unique to contribute. Got you. That's great advice. Very simple. <laughs> I knew it would be. I knew that this there, there wouldn't be too much complicated stuff today, Jason. It's just a case of the the three hundred and sixty degree reinterpretation of how it should be done. I think that's the secret. Yeah, and I think I'm as as a consultancy, we're supposed to make things a bit more complicated so we can get paid more. But uh, we're certainly not in that business. It's about <laughs> boiling it down to things that are really simple. I love it. It's been beautiful to talk to you, Jason. Let's end by taking. Uh, a turn we're going to ask you where we should go next who we should speak to next and that's really your call yeah thank you james i'm really uh really thankful to um to, to be on the on the podcast now i really would uh make a big shout out and i'd love you to connect with ellie davison from zion um an incredible aboriginal woman doing some incredible things when it comes to visioning and placemaking across um, this state and when we talk about placemaking what are the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives and how do we actually translate, adapt, interpret that into the places that we, uh, you know, the parks or, or, or different, um, you know, constructions, projects or, or, or different facilities, how, what's, how do we actually interpret that into the into space and it's just an incredible woman that I'd really recommend you having a with as well. It's so, using a, a, a strange term, it's so untapped, isn't it? We should be doing so much more with it. Yeah, yeah. And and, I, and Ali's one of the very, very few, if not one of one of two of the Aboriginal um, city planners in the country as well. That'll be really great. Lovely direction to take. Jason, thank you. Where do people find you? How do people get in touch with you? Um, well, I was going to say ep season three, episode 16 of Hard Quiz, which I won, but I won't. That's probably, I shouldn't leave that calling card. Um, <laughs> Twopointco.com.au, um, you'll find us there and happy to, to talk more through that, through that channel as well. That's lovely. Um, and obviously all of the social media channels with that same tag, Two Point Co. Okay. Fabulous. I appreciate everything that you've shared with us today. Thank you so much for your time um, and, and for, for, for trying to make this transformation so much more common and, and, and just a natural part of everyday business and everyday life. James, thank you. Pleasure. You've been listening to Purpose and Vision. For more details about this podcast, go to the website purposeandvisionpodcast.com or find us on Facebook at Purpose and Vision on Instagram, purpose.vision, and on Twitter, at PurposeVision1. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, and perhaps you'd be kind enough to rate the show. This will help others find it. Just go to where you download your podcast and enter a review. Thank you so much. <laughs>